Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 11 of The Life of Christ in the Soul by Henry Scougal. A Prayer Good God, what great happiness is this to which we are called? How graciously have you joined our duty and our happiness together and prescribed it as our work, the performance of which is a great reward. Shall such silly worms as we are be advanced to so great a height? Will you allow us to raise our eyes to you? Will you admit and accept our affection? Shall we receive the impression of the divine excellencies upon our lives just by beholding and admiring them? and partake of your infinite blessedness and glory by loving you and rejoicing in them? Oh, the happiness of those souls who have broken the fetters of self-love and disentangled their affections from every narrow and specific purpose. Our understanding is enlightened by your Holy Spirit, and our wills are enlarged to the extent of yours, when above all things we love you, and love all mankind for your sake. I am persuaded, O God, I am persuaded that I can never be happy until my carnal and corrupt affections are mortified and the pride and vanity of my spirit is subdued. Nor can I rest until I come seriously to despise the world and think nothing of self. But, oh, When shall this be? When will you come to me and satisfy my soul, making me holy? Have you given me the prospect of so great a source of happiness, and yet you will not bring me closer to it? Have you kindled these desires in my soul, and yet you will not also satisfy them? Oh, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for your name's sake, and perfect that which is your work in me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your own hands, O Lord. Amen. The Aids to True Religion The despondent thoughts of those newly awakened to a right awareness of things. Thus far, I have considered what true religion consists of and how desirable a thing it is. But when a person sees how infinitely distant the common temperament and human nature are from it, he may perhaps be ready to despair and give up, thinking how utterly impossible it is to attain it He might sit down in sadness and bemoan his situation and say in the anguish and bitterness of his spirit, Happy are those whose souls are awakened to the divine life and who are renewed in their inward spirits. But alas, I am of quite another constitution and am not able to accomplish such an enormous change. If outward observances could have done the business, 
I might have hoped to acquit myself with diligence and care. But since nothing but a new nature will suffice, what can I do? I could bestow all my goods as offerings to God or gifts to the poor, but yet be unable to be possessed of that love without which such expense would profit me nothing. This gift of God cannot be purchased with money. If a man were to give all the material wealth of his household for love, it would be utterly condemned. I could pine or flagellate my body or undergo many hardships and troubles, but still fail to have all my corrupt appetites starved or my affections wholly weaned from earthly things. There are still some worldly affections or desires lurking in my heart, and those vanities that I have shut out of the door are always getting in by the window. I have often convinced of my own meanness, of the weakness of my body, and of the far greater weakness of my will. But this gives rise to indignation and discontent rather than true humility in my spirit. And even though I should come to think meanly of myself, I cannot bear the thought that others should think so too. In a word, when I reflect upon my highest and most distinguished attainments, I have reason to suspect that they are all just the product of my fallen nature, the consequences of self-love acting under several guises. This reality is so powerful and so deeply rooted in me that I can never hope to be delivered from its dominion. I may swing back and forth like a door on its hinges, but can never get clearly unhinged from the self that is at the center of all my inclinations. As a result, the only advantage that I can draw from the discovery of true religion is to see from a distance the happiness that I am not able to reach. It is like being a man in a shipwreck who sees land and envies the happiness of all those who are there, but thinks it is impossible for him to reach the shore. The unreasonableness of fear about our human nature. These or similar despondent thoughts may arise in the minds of those persons who begin to grasp something more of the nature and excellence of true religion than they did previously. They have spied the land and have seen that it is exceedingly good, that it is flowing with milk and honey. But then they find that they have the children of a knack to grapple with. There are many powerful lusts and sins to overcome, and they fear that they shall never prevail against them. But why should we give way to discouraging suggestions? Why? Should we entertain the unreasonable fears that dampen our spirits, weaken our hands, and augment the difficulties on our way? Let us encourage ourselves, my dear friend. Let us encourage ourselves with those powerful aids that we ought to expect in this spiritual warfare. For greater is he that is in us, for us, than all that can raise up against us. 
The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath us are the everlasting arms. Let us be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, for he it is that shall trample down our enemies. God has a tender regard for the souls of men and is infinitely willing to promote their welfare. He has an understanding of our weakness and has declared with an oath that he takes no pleasure in our destruction. There is no such thing as spite or envy lodged in the heart of that ever-blessed being whose name and nature is love. He created us at first in a happy condition, but now that we have fallen from it, he has brought us help through one who is mighty to save because he has committed the care of our souls to no lesser a person than the eternal son of his love. It is he that is the captain of our salvation. And what enemies can be too strong for us when we are fighting under his banner? Did not the Son of God come down from his Father and become a man among the sons and daughters of men that he might recover and propagate the divine life and restore the image of the divine being in their souls? All the great works that he performed and all the sad afflictions that he endured had this as their purpose and design. It was for this that he labored and toiled, for this that he bled and died. Has he wrought no deliverance on earth? Shall he not see the fruit of the travail of his soul? Isaiah fifty three eleven. It is impossible that this great heavenly mission should prove to be abortive, that such a mighty undertaking should fail or miscarry. It has already been effective in the salvation of many thousands who were once as far from the kingdom of heaven as we suppose ourselves to be. But our high priest intercedes forever and is able to save all that come to God through him to the uttermost. Hebrews seven twenty five. He is tender and compassionate. He knows our infirmities and has had experience of our temptations. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench till he sends out judgment and achieves victory. Isaiah 42, 3. He has sent us his Holy Spirit, whose sweet but powerful breathings are still moving over the world to quicken and revive the souls of men. He awakens them to the awareness and feeling of those divine things for which they were made and is willing to assist such weak and stumbling creatures as we are in our strivings toward holiness and happiness. And once he has taken hold of a soul and kindled the smallest spark of divine love in it, he will be sure to cherish and preserve and fan it into a flame that many turbulent waters will not be able to quench nor floods be able to drown. Whenever this day begins to dawn, and the day star arises in the human heart. The powers of darkness begin 
to be dispelled. Ignorance and folly and all the corrupt and selfish affections will flee away as fast before it as the shades of night do before the rising sun. For the path of the just is as the shining light, that shining more and more unto the perfect day. Proverbs 4.18 And they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Psalm 84.7 This concludes episode 11 of The Life of Christ in the Soul by Henry Skugel.